Even if I wanted to, I can't help you, Jatani. The high table wants your life. How can you fight the wind? How can you smash the mountains? How can you bury the ocean? How can you escape from the light? Of course, you can go to the dark. Then in the dark, too. So tell me, Jatani. What do you really want? Right, welcome everyone. This is episode 77 of the Comics in Motion podcast. I am one of your hosts, Chris Phelps, and my co-host and very good friend is Mr. Dave Horrocks. Hi, Chris, and hello to our listeners out there in podcast land. Welcome to Comics in Motion. What we like to do here is we like to review movies and TV shows that are based on comic books. Myself, I'll be reviewing from the perspective of a long-time comic book reader. And I'll be reviewing from the TV and movie perspective. And what we also like to do is we also like to spoil the hell out of everything we review. So if you haven't watched our choice of the week, then we'd advise you to proceed with caution. And remember, with an average podcast comes no responsibility. And what we also love is when you can head over to your podcast catcher of choice and drop us a five-star review. And this just helps us to grow the show and gets us out there to other listeners. So, Chris, what have you seen in the news this week? Well, Dave, I've seen that... Swamp Thing has been cancelled after one episode and the first series has been cut short to 10 episodes instead of 13. Now, I don't know a lot of the background, but it was something I was quite interested in. And obviously, we've mentioned it quite a few times because we've been praising DC and, and saying like how, you know, they're hitting it out of the park with these sort of little series. Titans was one of them. Obviously, we had, uh, the Umbrella Academy was slightly different. That was the Netflix. That was a totally different thing. But there's been a few DC properties where you, you're like, they're going to do something here. They're actually going to catch up to Marvel and then straight away. It's at 94% on Rotten Tomatoes and they cancelled it and it's like, what the heck is going on? Well, the phrase that comes to my mind is snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. <laughs> I mean, uh, we've loved some of the DC stuff this week, this week, this year, haven't we? Yeah. And it just seems this this is this is just completely thrown it off the rails because it's not just, you know, as one single thing, cancelling Swamp Thing is a bit bizarre, but on its own, that's not too weird. But, you know, it's a lot of the rumours coming out about it. You know, the fact that they've chopped it from 13 to 10, that just strikes me as a bit odd. And then also, you know, what are the reasons for that? There's rumours about, was it an accounting error or something? The most interesting one for me is, you know, and, and plausible thing for me is that Warner Brothers is saying, well, we want to do our own streaming service. So if we do, then DC, you know, you've <laughs> there's no point in you doing your own sort of streaming service. And that, for me, would be a massive disappointment. But it just shows, again, the difference that... I mean, the advantage that Marvel have, because Marvel Entertainment, you know, the MCU... That's all they have to worry about. Okay, they probably have some outside influence from Disney, but I think they're pretty autonomous. Whereas, you know, for DC, it's all controlled by Warner Brothers. So they're not the only seat at the table. So they have to compete with all the other things going on. And I think, I, I hope this is just a little ripple. But honestly, I, I think it's more than that. And, you know, I, I'm just really disappointed, to be honest. Yeah, I agree. I, th I think Marvel have consistently, I know we've had a few blips in certain films, but they're all enjoyable films. They've consistently, especially at the box office, they've hit it out of the park. Everything they've made, even the TV stuff, you know, you know, I know the Iron Fist was a bit iffy and the Defenders was 
all right. But most of the stuff they've done and we've reviewed has been really good. And and they're just consistent with the content and there's a clear direction in what they're doing, whichever part of Marvel they're doing. Obviously, we know we've got different uh, aspects to that. But the, the DC stuff, Dave, is for the reason that one of the films will review really well and do really well, and then the next one isn't, because there's no clear direction what they're doing. And also, it's pure luck, I think, to be fair. But I think it's just the strong characters. Obviously, we know Aquaman was one of its best performing ones at the box office. And, and I wouldn't say, even now looking back, I enjoyed the film. I know we reviewed it. I did quite enjoy it. But I've never turned I don't know whether I'd watch it again. It's just, it's one of them things where they're not making classics. I think since the, the original Batman uh, trilogy for me, Christopher Nolan, I, 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 I can go back to say Man of Steel I do like, as you know, I know you hate that, but I, I couldn't hand on heart say that I would pick a DC property. And I'm a DC fan. I have been that over Marvel all my life. But the last few years, I'm questioning my loyalty, really, because I, I love the Marvel stuff. And it's just a shame that, unfortunately, it sounds to me, Dave, very much like people are arguing within the company and they're trying to score points off each other. I might be totally wrong. And there's something going on somewhere because the decisions that they made, they're not good for the fans out there. I just don't think that there's any logic behind it. No, not at all. And to be honest, you know, bringing some of my hobby career uh, or joining some of that up with what I've seen in the my professional career as well. You know, years ago, I, I worked for this company that was was owned by this much bigger company who, you know, in the early days, they weren't bothered at all. You know, again, were fairly autonomous. And then it moved to, you know, they suddenly wanted a, a, a hand in everything. And so I'd cynic close hand how difficult it is for the leadership team of that smaller company to actually make any real decisions. And so I, I'm possibly being biased by my own life experiences that, you know, I can see that the, the people who are passionate, there are some really talented people on that DC side, but they're probably just, you know, they're not getting what they need to be successful. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. And it's a shame because there's some good content out there, as we've just said. So, yeah, we'll just have to see how this one plays out. But it's not going to be a quick fix. And I think now is when they could really hit Marvel where it, where it hurts, basically. And they're not going to do that. They're going to back off and try somewhere else. Marvel will have regrouped by then. And the next phase of the Avengers will be ready to go, Dave. So, you know, it's on their head beat, unfortunately. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd love, actually, we, sh we should try and reach out to the guys at DC World and... and get some you know input from them because they're they're a lot closer to the you know they're exclusively dc than than we are and so it'd be interesting what their perspective is as well um you know but it does seem to us or to me at least you know that that there could be rocky times ahead and and i guess what I'm bringing to that is so some news from the kind of comics world as well i don't know if you've uh, if you remember who rob liefeld is no, no, he's basically the co-creator of Deadpool, although if you listen to him, he pretty much created him. Um, you know, it, he, he's been very, very vocal on Twitter just about anything, to be to be honest. And he's one of his own biggest publicists. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm not a massive fan, if I'm honest, but, you know, he, he is what it is. He was a really young guy who came to prominence with Marvel in the 90s. 
and was part of this wave. He was, he was one of the original creators of Image, you know, that uh, the label where basically you, or the publisher that basically, you know, is a lot more creator-centric. And he was one of those young starlets who, who jumped ship from Marvel to set this up. So he is quite an iconic character. But essentially, you know, he's tweeted out that, you know, DC are going to drive off a cliff. I'm not sure if he's just been drinking, but it seems like the arguments have continued through the night. And he's basically been arguing with fans who are are passionate, obviously, about defending DC. And also Mark Millar's jumped in there as well. And, you know, he's basically said, well, I, I think, the DC stuff, you know, the creative team is is as good as it's ever been. It's as good as, you know, the 80s when, you know, it's considered to be very, very strong. And so he's ended up, he said, you know, he's pushed out his last tweet, which is, right, that's it. I'm, I'm coming off Twitter and I'm going to be exclusively on Instagram from now. So, you know, he's kind of had enough again. Was there alcohol involved? <laughs> I, I'm just looking from my own perspective. Sometimes, you know, when you think things are really important, but they're really not. But yeah, it just seems to be one of the latest kind of blowouts. But again, really, you know, sticking the boot in a, a little bit to DC. Yeah, it's a shame, really, Dave. A shame. But you reap what you sow, unfortunately, don't you? He obviously knows more than what we do. As much as he might look controversial, there's reasoning behind that attack. You don't just go for the jugular D on something like this. So I think we've got to take it for what it is, I think. There's, there's obviously something going on. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't particularly... I don't agree with him, to be honest. Not not on the comics front. I think there's there's a lot of really uh, talented guys there. I mean, he did say, you know, thank God for Batman. Again, he's called out the character there. But, you know, for me, Scott Schneider is one of the best writers around. Uh, you've got Tom King there as well, another great writer. I, I don't know where... Rob Liefeld's coming from, to be honest. But um, yeah, you're right. He's he's closer to inside uh, insiders than we are. So may- maybe he does know something, or you know, like I say, maybe he's just sounding off. But um, I mean, the other thing I'd say is just to continue to stick the boot in a little bit, but not to DC. Hopping over to the Marvel side, we reviewed Dark Phoenix last week, and fair to say, neither of us liked it. So yeah. I think critically it's been panned and it seems after the initial disappointing box office figures, the audience have panned it as well. So I don't really think I, I've seen the odd comment, you know, of people saying, Oh, you know, Disney needs to carry this on. Uh, you know, it needs to remain with this continuity, but that is a real kind of outlier type sentiment. Most people, I, most of the reaction I've seen has been pretty poor. But again, some of the interesting things that that I've seen coming out, you know, essentially you've had this this rookie director Simon Kinberg. You know, he'd been the writer before. Apparently, he'd stepped in. He got the gig mainly because of all the troubles with Brian Singer. You know, you've had this overall fan apathy. You've had this confusing marketing campaign. You've had these trailers, which, do you remember the trailer came out and then a couple of days after it was delayed, it was pushed back? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I this may be old news, but I, I'd only come across it today, actually. And apparently that was mainly down to James Cameron digging his heels in and pushing for Alita Battle Angel to be released in February. So, you know, Dark Phoenix was ready it should have gone 
uh, gone live. It should have been published, released, or whatever in February, and and now it was uh, it was old Bertie Big Balls, <laughs> James Cameron, <laughs> you know, insisting that it be pushed back. I I don't know. That doesn't make it a good movie or a bad movie, but I think it contributes to that overall sense that this all is not well. And yeah. the, the last thing I'd heard was that, you know, Ty Sheridan's come out and said that the original ending involved the scrolls. So again, that that comes into our theory last week where we were talking about, well, it, it seems like, you know, they had an ending lined up, but it was just too similar to things that had happened in Captain Marvel and also Infinity War. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think, look, there's a reason we didn't like it. We are not the be all and end all. We're not the oracle when it comes to reviews. And obviously, reviewing stuff is, is quite an art form and something we're learning. We're, we're gaining our stripes as we go on, aren't we? So I understand that. But I genuinely think with that, it was just a mess. We said it last year, it was a mess. And that's what happens, Dave. For me, it was just something to fill the gap until they move over to the MCU. It was it was a contractual obligation they had to do. Just like when you see other people make films or TV shows and you can tell by the acting when you're watching it that the heart's not in it. And to me, there was far too many. And I, I don't usually say that. I usually get taken away with the story and I'll, I'll buy into it, especially the X-Men as I love the franchise. But you could just see that there was pretty much, other than maybe James McAvoy, was winging it, you know, there was a winging it as far as I could see. But even then, like I say, it was just everything. The, the whole execution was poor and everything. It was just, it is, it, I'm not even going to say it. I was going to oh. say, you know, I nearly said it. I nearly said it. But no, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, no, I can't say that. That's, that's like banter now for me. I hate that word banter. So uh, it's uh, that's the new buzzword, isn't it, unfortunately, over in the UK. But yes, that's just the way things pan out, unfortunately, Dave. And let's hope that the MCU does rejuvenate it and we get something resembling what we both want out of the X-Men. I absolutely love the source material, but even I'm like, you know, that's left a bit of a sour taste in my mouth. Just let's put it to bed for a bit and we'll come back to it later. Of course, unless they release like a Hulk movie and then, you know, you end up with a Wolverine in there and I'll just be utter fanboy again, but (laughs) let's see what they do. I mean, before we do our reviews for these new releases, I generally try and stay away from what other people are saying. You know, we'll have a sneaky peek at what Rotten Tomatoes metric is. Um, Even though I don't really buy into it, it's still interesting. But I've since listened to a few reviews and, yeah, I haven't really heard anything positive really said about it. No, no. I mean, I went on the Odeon, and obviously they're more casual fans because of like me, me pass. And there's quite a few people saying, "Oh, I loved it, great film." And then you got loads saying rubbish, no context. It was not. It wasn't a continuation of any story. Empty, blah blah blah. With people winging it, in. and it was very fifty-fifty. Which I think last last week the consensus on Metacritic it was at about four point seven out of ten. So it was about halfway. On Rotten Tomatoes, we were looking at 16 17%, and I don't think it's improved much either. But but also, like you said, go back to the actual box office stuff, Dave. When I did the movie background, they were predicting 40 to 50 million, and it's only done 30. Now, that's going to fall mm-hmm. off that straight away. That's going to fall off. We've got Toy Story 4's out next week. We've got Men in Black International, which I've got to say looks absolutely awful. But I do like Chris Hemsworth, so we'll see how that one goes. And then after that, we're going into The Lion King, so... It's going to get swallowed up and spat out. I reckon by the end of July, its movie run will be over. 
it'll be be straight onto the Blu-ray. It's it's it's, it's going to be dying a death. I mean, Avengers is still going strong now, and we're nearly three months down the line. Yeah, and it doesn't really say anything good about New Mutants as well. No, no. Remember, I said you know that that's not. I don't think going to be connected, but it is in that you know X, Fox X Men universe. So there could be some crossover. I'd said all along, I think, you know, of course they're going to release this. They put too much money into it, but everyone knows there's lots of reshoots to be done. And so if they make a massive loss on Dark Phoenix, why would they plow all of this extra money into doing the reshoots, trying to just coordinate, getting those actors back now? It's yeah. going to be tricky. You know, how do you get around the fact they're three years older or however long, <laughs> however, you know, long it's been? It's, it's been two or three years, I'm sure. So actually, I, my confidence is wavering that New Mutants will come out. I, I think they might just they might just can the reshoots and just say, let's put together the best thing we can with what we've got and then just put it straight on the streaming services, you know, a kind of um, – Disney exclusive thing. Yeah. Uh, no, I agree. I agree. Now, just before we actually get into what we're going to review this week, guys, if you want to give us a follow on Twitter at Comics in Motion P, or if you want to email myself or Dave, it's Comics in Motion Podcast at gmail.com. And as Dave said at the top of the show, we would love it if you get over to your podcast hosting site and give us a five-star review it just helps everything to do with the podcast grow and gets us better what we do so thanks guys as well for any we've had over the last few weeks we will read them out uh we're just compiling a list and me and dave are trying to work out how to do some more impressions at the, at the moment so uh yeah stick around on that one but dave what are we reviewing this week and what's the comic book background please well we are going to review john wick three now, John Wick originated in the movies, of course, but there was a comic book series which was published by Dynamite Entertainment and came out in September 2017. This story is written by Greg Pak and art by Giovanni Valletta and Matt Gaudio. Now, Greg Pak is a fairly well-known comic book writer. He's written for both Marvel and DC. One of his most well-known stories is Planet Hulk. He also did World War Hulk, which came after that. Um, so he does actually get a writer's credit on IMDb for Thor Ragnarok. So, you know, this isn't a completely um, unknown writer who's, who's put this together. So there you go. It's a bit of a stronger comic book connection than I, I was leading you to believe. <laughs> now, this story is is set as, it's like a prequel to the first movie, and he, he goes off on his first real vendetta. Though, I'll be honest with you, it, it feels less like a prequel and more just like another John Wick story. So you've basically got there, you've got five issues, uh, if you get the individual original comics, or you can get it in a collected trade paperback format. Now, I personally feel it wasn't great. It didn't really tell you a lot about anything more. It didn't expand on the John Wick lore, but it's just the it go, it's the same as the movies pretty much. So, if you are a massive John Wick fan and you're into reading the the comic books as well, then you probably would enjoy this. So, the collected trade does have a four point two rating. So that's out of five on Comixology, the digital comics platform, and that's from forty six ratings. So there are definitely lots of people out there, the majority, in fact, who really enjoyed this book. So, yep. Big John Wick fan. If you're a comic book fan as well, 
then you might want to get on that and uh, and give it a read. And if you do, let us what, let us know what you think. Chris, how about the movie background? Yeah, so in October 2016, Chaz Stahelski made his directorial debut with the original John Wick. Now, a bit of a tidbit and a bit of knowledge here is Chad was actually Keanu Reeves' stunt double in The Matrix. And this was his obviously his debut, the first one. Now, um, he stated that there was going to be three films in the series and they were all in the works. And then by 2017, it was said that Derek Kolstad would write two films prior to the original and also return with the screenplay as well, which is pretty interesting. So it's the same team all the way through, which you don't usually get. I think it's more to do with Keanu Reeves. Like, obviously, Chad, he likes this sort of settled within the trilogy, which I do want to get into. The reason I brought that up is I want to talk about that a bit later on. Now, casting-wise, it was revealed again that Ian McShane was back, Lawrence Fishburne, Lance Riddick, and then also for this uh, third instalment, we had Halle Berry and Angelica Houston on board, starring in it alongside Keanu Reeves. Uh, filming began in May 2018 in New York and Montreal. I remember in New York, it was actually June it started because I stayed New York from the 6th to the 10th. And it was really warm as well last year. And it was about the 12th they started filming in Times Square because they had to use fake rain. So that scene at the start of the film when he's walking with the dog, it's all fall. Obviously, it's torrential rain. You've got to be pretty finger to catch that, but it really was something that they were buzzing about while I was there. I was quite gutted I wasn't there to see some of the filming. Um, Now, visual effects were done by Mephist Studios, Image Engine and Soho VFX. Again, I'm bringing that up. It's something I don't usually do in the movie background because I do want to talk about some of the effects within the film. Uh, Now, it premiered on in New York, in Brooklyn, on May the 9th of this year, 2019, and it was released on the 17th in the US and all of the markets. Um, now, box office-wise, it's done quite well. In the US, it's done so far $140 million, US and Canada, sorry, and then in all of the territories, it's done $116 million. So at the moment, it's about $256 million, which is not bad, really, off a budget of about $110 million plus marketing so he's made profit there's already been announced that there's a john wick 4 in the works and that's going to be coming out next year so they're probably maybe i haven't seen this yet but i've got a feeling they may have filmed this back to back now review wise on rotten tomatoes it's at a really really good rate with the actual review professionals and i'm doing the in brackets professionals dave it's at 89 percent of 294 reviews which is one of the highest reviewed films of this year a user rating of 7.47 out of 10, which is fantastic. I think the user rating actually is higher than Avengers Endgame, which I will question, Dave. On Metacritic, it's at 73 out of 100 based on 50 reviews, uh, reviewers, sorry, which is, gen- again, generally favourable. And on the cinema score, which is just a general cinema goers like myself, yourself, it's at an A-, minus, which is pretty good. So it's uh, A+, plus, A-, 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 minus. so that's not good, bad at all. And it's the same score as its predecessors. So quite an interesting subject. I'm really interested to go through this with you, Dave, because I think there's quite a few talking points with me and you. And obviously, we're reviewing this a couple of weeks prior to seeing it in the cinema. So that's all I've got on the movie background today, Dave. Are you ready to hit the review? Yeah, let's go. After the events of the last movie, John Wick has been declared excommunicado by the high table and placed under a $40 million bounty. 
John recovers a crucifix necklace from the New York Public Library and a marker medallion from a secret cache in a book, all while fighting his way through numerous assassins. He reaches the director in a theatre and exchanges the crucifix for safe passage to Casablanca. Meanwhile, manager of the Continental Winston and the Bowery King, the leader of a network of vagrant assassins, are met by an adjudicator from the high table and are both accused of helping John Wick and given seven days to give up their office or face the consequences. Now, Chris, there'd been a lot of buzz about this movie going into it. The critic scores were great. What did you make to it first off? Well, I was really looking forward to this. I was an absolute fan of the first one. I've mentioned it before. I go on YouTube and I watch the Babiega speech, you know, when they, they steal his dog and he goes to Aurelio's to get the car. And, and I love that scene. I can watch that over and over again. You know, when, when he's, the, the thing his dad actually says, Hugo's uh, daddy says to him, he goes, uh, you know, he's Babi Yeager. I love all that. The second one, I liked, but then it just got ridiculous. It, it felt a bit like The Punisher where it started off really strong. I really enjoyed it. I know The Punisher was a series, but eventually, once you've seen him kill five people in one scene, you don't need to keep repeating that over and over. And that's what I felt on the second one. They tried to ramp it up, but I think they lost a bit of what John Wick was about. So I, I, I enjoyed it, but it was sort of a, I would say, a hall of justice for me, the second one. Now this one, big eye hopes. I thought, oh, this is a return to form. We're going back to what made the original so good. As I mentioned in the movie background, the same team behind it, you know, Keanu Reeves there, fantastic. He's, having a bit of a renaissance as he hits his early 50s. Everyone loves him. And genuinely, the start of it was like, I mean, that, the, the first bit of the film, I think, was probably, for me, the best bit. And and we get this thing where he's being chased and he's he's got, like, the clocks ticking down and then he, he goes to a doctor who has to sort of patch him up and the doc can't do it once the clock hits and he ends up having to shoot the doc to, to get away and the doc just, like, gets a shot in the shoulder and a shot in the sort of, like, the the hip area um, and they're chasing through the streets of sort of New York and it's really good. And there's a scene with the knives, but I've got to say, Dave, it was fantastic. The knife scene, it was very unusual because they're in like this sort of ancient museum as such. And he's, he ends up like making a gun, a Magnum 44 he gets. I saw the dirty Harry reference straight away, but he ends up breaking it down and these guys come after him. But I just felt like, I've seen it before, and I've got to question, I'll be honest with you, and this is be a theme for me through this film, and I love Keanu Reeves, you know I love The Matrix. It was so slow and ponderous at times, the film, the fighting, it was. It looked so choreographed, it felt, and you know I'm a bit, oh, I was a big wrestling fan, old school wrestling, it felt like I was watching the WWE, and all these people are getting killed on the screen, but I genuinely, I just didn't believe it, it just felt like, I don't know, it just felt like, I was underwhelmed with what I was seeing in this first bit completely. The whole first act, I was, I felt that it, there were some great scenes. Like I say, I enjoyed the start of it and that the way he's been changed. But then after about 10 minutes of this, the constant fighting and barrage of violence, I was like, there's got to be more to this. It's not just going to be this through the whole film. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not quite as big a fan of, as you of the the whole John Wick series. I completely echo what you're saying about the first one. For me, the first one was great. A, a complete surprise as well, but but really, really style-wise, just loved it. Um, then the second one, it did get a bit more ridiculous, and then the third one just seemed it's closer to the second one than it is the first. And I I enjoyed it 
I think I, I see what you mean about the fight sequences being slow, but I think, you know, if I was to describe them with one word, it'd just be brutal. You know, so, you know, there are several times, in fact, throughout the movie where I'm just sort of sucking on, on my back teeth and it's like, oh, <laughs> yeah, they really just do that. Um, so I kind of and, and there was a lot of that from the overall cinema uh, goers as well. So, you know, lots and lots of brutal things there. But I mean, I'm watching it. And again, you know, this is the same for the first bit as probably it's going to be a theme for me running throughout this movie, but it's all action and not really a lot else, you know? So when he's fighting the big guy, when he's trying to get the crucifix and, and uh, you know, he's, he's fighting this huge bloke and you're thinking, well, is it, you know he's going to take him out. So, you know, the action better be great. When he started punching, when he put up the book to his face and he punched the book, you know, to, to hit his face, I, I was distracted by thinking, isn't that just going to absorb it? <laughs> yeah. Isn't that going to hurt him less? Why are you punching the book to avoid punching him in the face? Is there some sort of assassin code or something there? I, I don't get it. So, you know, that that was a bit strange. But I, I do think the action scenes, again, I, I don't personally think they were that slow. You know, Keanu Reeves, look, he's not a, he's not really, you know, as much as I love the Matrix and everything, he's not a natural martial artist, is he? No. But I think, so the stunt guys and everything and the camera work, you know, all goes to making him look as good as he can do in a fight sequence like that. But it's not like if you put Jackie Chan on or Jet Li or something like that, you can see that they are just, you know, it's it's less about the camera work and they're just awesome. And I love the way in this whole series, the way uh, Wick in that kind of Jackie Chan way, just it just makes use of whatever's to hand. You know, it's yeah. not like one of those, you know, back in the day where they'd have, you know, one person at a time approach uh, our hero, whoever our protagonist is. You know, it does seem like he, he takes a fair beating. And I think the Punisher comparison that you made there is a good one because, you know, the, the amount of punishment that John Wick takes is just inhuman, isn't it? I mean, yeah. it, again, it just one of the reasons I loved the first one was because it was grounded in reality. Okay, it was a bit far fetched, but broadly, it's it's in reality. Whereas the second one and this third one as well, it just felt it, it just got a bit sillier. Yeah, I, th- I think as well, Dave. What I don't buy with this, I agree, is, is I, I really have a problem with the fact that for some reason everybody who lives in New York is somewhere connected to this group. Yeah. Because nobody, when they're in Grand Central Station, there's a guy there getting killed and, and does a bit of like a bit of a move and, and he does a bit, a bit like in Batman Begins where we get the League of Shadows where they can do that thing where they cloak behind people and that. And John Wick does it. And I'm like, why is nobody reacting? This guy's just been stabbed on the floor. He's dead. No, no one's reacting. And I just don't buy it. I just don't buy that every single person connects in this world. And, and, it, and the only thing I can, logical thing i will buy and this is going to sound ridiculous and i know i've mentioned to this you off the podcast is that somehow some people are saying that this is part of the matrix because nobody reacts like they do in the matrix when when they're killing and, and running and stuff it, nobody reacts to it. everyone just gets on with the day-to-day stuff and i know it sounds really stupid because he's called john wick but there's loads of theories out there saying 
is it actually Neo in a c- computer program? And that's why he never dies or anything. He's, he's, and I know, Dave, it sounds utterly ridiculous, but when you're watching it, I must admit, I was so distracted by the fact that nobody reacted to anything in the film. I was like, I just don't get it. I just don't get it. I think we've we've seen in some of the other stuff we've reviewed that same thing, though, haven't we? You know, so the two that spring out in my mind, the 1989 Batman, where um, Joker starts shooting outside the courthouse and, and the police are just stood there. You can see them in the background. They're just extras chilled out and doing nothing. Yeah. Um, and what's the other one that was just in my mind then? Uh, Blade, you know, where he's beating yeah. up this this copper. You know, he turns out he's he's undercover for the for the vampires but you know again he's just beating him up in the middle of the street and everyone's just going about their daily routine so i think there's there's a lot of movies that that do that so i I can half forgive it for that but it does make it out that like everyone in new york is is in on this high table thing (laughs) and it's like you know there's not just anyone who's just wandering by they're all kind of giving him a knowing nod and and whatever and it it just seemed that again just a bit much yeah i agree it does it just i i didn't think i'd feel this way though watching it day i genuinely didn't i genuinely come into it so optimistic so upbeat thinking oh here we go this is you know like i said before it's a return return to form and and honestly i was like you know and what, what i'd seen as well is keanu reeves does a lot of jiu-jitsu and judo and things like that and he's, he does a lot of gi work as well when he's got obviously the the ceremonial gi on when he's training but all the moves he did was the same shoulder throw, which I learned that when I was doing like the MMA stuff. Is and and I don't know whether we mean now. I've said this loads of times, but because I've trained MMA for a while, I haven't done it for a while. But because I've trained MMA, and obviously I grew. I've said it to you before on the podcast. I grew up believing that anybody who's a black belt in karate is harder and tougher than anybody, and that is utter nonsense. Because anybody who's an MMA practitioner whether you're a boxer or anything, anyone properly in MMA who's properly trained will beat anybody up. If you've just got one skill set, unless you get a lucky punch on someone or a lucky kick, you're not going to beat an MMA practitioner. You never, ever, and it's been proven a million times over. And that's not being disrespectful, Dave, because I know you've done karate and I'm not dingy at all, but I just don't buy it. And I'm like watching it thinking, just standing there like the old Chuck Norris stuff at times, one by one, fighting him. And it's like, if there was five of you against this assassin, you'd jump on his head all of you, wouldn't you? You'd all jump on him and, and try and grip him because you can't know how tough you are. If you've got five blokes getting older, you, Dave, unless you had a superhuman freak of nature with pure strength or just wanting violence, you are not going to win that fight. It doesn't matter how good you are. And, and I think I really struggled at times with this, with, with the sort of the way everyone just seemed to just randomly attack him one, one by one. I, I, yeah, I mean, I, again, I, I see what you're saying, but I think, you know, for me, they don't always attack him one by one. I think later in the movie, what we see is there's actually a few people who could have killed him. Yeah. And then it's just very conveniently, he's got that plot armor on that they're just like, oh no, I'm a bit of a John Wick fanboy. So, you know, I'm not going to kill you. Whereas this legend, this Baba Yaga, should be absolutely untouchable in every way, you know. And and I guess I try not to be influenced by what I hear 
going into a movie, I try and just say, okay, the critic's response, all right, that's interesting, but I'll make my own mind about it. But there was such a positive vibe about this movie. I'm going in and I'm expecting something a bit special. And apart from the action, which again, I thought was decent, you obviously didn't, but apart from the action, there was just nothing that grabbed me at all. No, that's what I mean. I, I, honestly, I, I sound so negative, and I'm sorry if it's coming across, guys, because I know when it's something I don't like, I really go in it. But, but genuinely, I was the same as you. I'd heard such good things, and I know we've said before, we, we always go back to certain films we reviewed we liked and everyone else didn't like, and the review is slated. And this was the opposite. It was reviewed so well. I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be another end game. This, this is going to have its own Asgard, you know, for, for a different reasons. I love karate films. I grew up on martial arts films all my, my, uh, well, my childhood or my teenage years. Even now, I, I still watch them, the Van Damme stuff, Bruce Lee and all that. I can sit there and watch them sort of films. But I genuinely wasn't sure what, what I was supposed to like about it. And I was questioning and thinking, what have the reviewers seen that I haven't? Because it just looks like we're going from one set piece to another, doing the same thing in a roundabout way. You know, someone picks an axe up really to hit him over the head, just as they pick him up with an axe, another guy runs him with a knife and he uses a knife against the guy with the axe, or someone's about to shoot him and he uses the body of someone else as a, as a shield. And this, this fight thing goes on and on and on through the film. He's literally, and the film's on for just two hours, and I'm not exaggerating when I say there must be at least an hour and 20 of these choreographed fight scenes. And after a bit, I just got really, really tired of it, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, it's like if you if you just eat chocolate all the time. I know you're a big chocoholic, aren't you? Or, yeah. or you, oh, yeah. try, you try not to be. But, yeah. you know, if you just had that all the time, you'd get bored of it. You'd be craving a salad or some meat or something like that. So I completely agree with you. I, and I can only think... And, you know, if there's people out there who absolutely go and they love this, because that's all I'm, or that's the majority of what I hear and see on social media and stuff is that people absolutely love this movie. I just don't get it. I think, you know, it's a bit of a one trick pony, but I'm, I'm going to theorize it a bit that it seems like the emperor's new clothes to me. I'm not sure. Are people really, really loving this? Or is it that, you know, there is this wave of euphoria? You're always going to have people who are, who are going to rally against, you know, uh, what the overall public opinion is or the popular opinion. So you, you're always going to have those outliers. We just call it how we see it, don't we? Yeah. And, you know, I just wonder, are there people out there who are kind of thinking, oh, yeah, you know, I I like this, you know, and, and just being taken along by what everyone else thinks. Because I, I can tell you, I if we'd have reviewed this right after the movie finished, I think I might have been in that camp. And I've given you this example before, I'm sure, where I came out of Phantom Menace, coincidentally brought out in the same year as The Matrix. I came out of Phantom Menace thinking, yeah, yeah, I, I, that was good, that. You know, this new Star Wars movie. Yeah, it was really interesting what they did. And having a little bit of time and distance away from it, I was thinking, you know what, that was that was pretty terrible, that. <laughs> and I'm not saying this one it was terrible, but there was such a public opinion that, you know, how great this was. I, I just don't get it. I, I think the action scenes are great, but 
way overdone and I'll I'll mention it because it it's obvious from this first act how they just repeat the same moves but there's something even more obvious that we'll get to in the next act um and I just think it's like you know like you say it's like having easter eggs for breakfast dinner and lunch yeah oh go for it day let's go for the second act then John meets with Sophia, a former Continental Hotel manager and close friend, and has to be taken to the elder of the high table, who, who he believes can wave the bounty on his head. Sophia takes John to Barada, who tells John he'll find the elder if he walks the desert until he can't wait, walk anymore. And in return for this priceless, useless, abstract bit of information, he wants one of some, Sophia's dogs. And after Sophia refuses... Barada shoots one of the dogs, and this results in a big fight between John, Sophia, and the rest of Barada's gang. And they, before they escape and head out to the desert, now Sophia leaves John to go off and find the elder. And when John finds him, he's forgiven on condition that he assassinates Winston, and he severs his ring finger in a show of loyalty. The high table adjudicator recruits Assassin Zero, and they maim both Winston and Morpheus, or rather the Bowery King, as penance for helping John. So, Chris, what do you make to this middle bit? Well, we we go from one thing to another, don't we? Obviously, he gets over to Casablanca. He, you know, he goes to see her. I, I like Halle Berry, and obviously, X Men sort of alumni always will be i just i don't know i just it felt like i was watching this bit again felt a little bit too convenient it felt like i was watching what they did with aquaman where they moved it to a desert setting i know it's a totally different thing but it went a bit indiana jones and that that fight scene with the dogs and obviously with sophia that was all you could have almost said that's a radius of the lost ark type fight in some respect but i don't think the setting helped that the fight, the big fight that went on with the dogs, the dogs were quite good. The attack dogs and that, but again, it was the same moves. Even she was doing the same moves. Sophia, you know, Halle Berry, she was doing the same shoulder judo flip all the time into a sort of armbar, and and she must have done that about four or five times. You know, like you said. So that dog- is sorry to cut across you there. That is exactly the bit. I mean, so it seemed to be when when it's all going, you know, to pot. It seemed to be the dog would come in, bite down a guard on his gentleman's area, let's put it that way. Yep. <laughs> and then she'd come up, shoot him twice in the head. Yeah. And that happened over and over. And I'm thinking, all right, it's a bit much now. It's it's like, you know, if you watched an old comedy show and, and then they play a joke and then it stops being funny and then they play it so long it ends up being funny again. Yeah. It felt like a bit like that, but but it didn't get to that bit where it was funnier again. It's just like, you're not going to do this again, are you? Oh, there no. you go. There it is again. I'm like, exactly. Well, what, what, what is the point in that? So they really overdid it here, I think. Yeah, and don't get me wrong. She, she's trained well. She obviously, the choreography was, was top-notch. But like you said, Dave, we didn't need all that. And, and I also think as well, the, the elder um, who they want to get to, when they go and see Barada, he's... Oh, Bron. He's Bron. Yeah, it's uh, no. I wasn't thinking Bron. I was thinking um, Robson and Jerome. Robson and Jerome. Jerome yeah. it, Robson and Jerome. For the, anyone who's from the UK, you've lost that loving feeling. Yeah, he's, <laughs> they were out of a, a, a TV show in the UK called Soldier Soldier, and he was. Uh, he actually had a bit of a singing career with a guy called Robson Green, and it was absolutely atrocious covers they did. But anyway, 
but yeah, so he's, I think he's a bit of a wasted character. He's obviously going to be in the fourth one, without a doubt, because they don't actually kill him, which I found a bit of a stretch, really, considering the world they're in, and there's no Fs given, basically, on anybody's consciences, and they just take people out. And how he survived and he got away with it, I don't know, because that's the worst thing that John Wick could do in Sophia. So I, I thought that was a bit of a stretch. But when he goes to see the guy, the elder at the table, and the, and we had this, you're going to walk and see so you can walk no more. I'm thinking, what are we watching here? Some sort of romance in the stone thing with Michael Douglas in the 80s, or is this like a James Bond thing? You know, it's like, it's like absolute nonsense. How does he know where he's walking? He's got, uh, I mean, what made me laugh is when Sophia takes him, obviously, in this, I think it's a Land Rover, and she takes him in the desert and then stops. He gets out, she gets the water, she drinks the water. She then spits a little bit back and gives it to John Wick, and he's got less than a mouthful of water in his hand, which he walks with for ages, doesn't he? And I'm like, what is the relevance of this? It's just like, all right, he's peed you off sort of thing. But come on now, you know what I mean? I, I just thought, where does he know where he's going? And then all of a sudden someone on a camel appears and takes him in. I was like, oh, forget this. And then obviously <laughs> what, what what's quite weak and quite cheap is he, he, he cuts his finger off, right? does all this, I know we're going to get into in Act 3, and basically, it was a waste of time. So he's just like, why do that? It just made no sense whatsoever, this bit of the film. Yeah, I I completely agree with you. You know, again, if you were... I I thought it was going to be like a bit of a vision quest type thing. It was all going to be a a bit mystical. But no, it's this high elder. It's It's just a physical guy (laughs) somewhere in the desert so you know of the 360 degrees that you can choose to walk in he just happens to stumble across you know the vicinity of this high elder it's just like what i I just made absolutely no sense to me and and like you say uh, you know stepping over a little bit into what happens after the whole cutting of the finger off yeah meant absolutely nothing because you know he's gone to beg for his life chopped his finger off you know declared his loyalty and then with a short conversation he's like no i'm gonna do the opposite of what you said you know i've cut my finger off to be loyal to you and because i've had this one conversation with winston i'm gonna go against that and i'm actually gonna defend the continental and fight you all that's like, what? Why would you do that? It made no sense to me. No, I, 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 it was a shame, really, Dave, because it, it, it could really, really turn me around. But I just kept thinking, watching it, not like I wasn't clock watching, so it wasn't like I didn't enjoy the film. I just, I just thought, what, what is the story we're going for here? What, and then, what makes it even more of a reach is. He chops his finger off and all that, and he's got to go and get cleaned up. And there is a perfectly tailored suit for him, you know, with his the same measurements and everything. And I was like, oh, come on. You know what I mean? It's just like, no, I don't buy it. It was like playing a computer game. And then I- you know what? That is exactly what I was just thinking then. It, it's just like the plot is kind of an inconvenience. You know, it's almost like a video game or one of those videos that you used to find under your dad's bed. Um, (laughs) where the plot is just an inconvenience for the main action yeah 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 because that's what happens with computer games you know i'm a big gamer what what games like call of duty and and even the the action games where you do get these slashing games like 
God of War, which everyone loves on the PlayStation. It's setting like the Egyptian time sort of thing as such. And it's all about basically setting up a scene where he takes out 10 people and the old, you know, and again, even in the computer games, they attack him one by one pretty much. But, but that's what it felt like, Dave. It felt like the story meant nothing. You just want to get to the nitty gritty of John Wick, basically maiming and killing people. But like you say, maybe it's just, just serious fatigue. By the third film, it's like, I mean, I looked at it and I think he killed about 200 people in this film. Literally, and he maimed quite a few other people. But there's about 200 deaths in this film by one man, and that's not including Halle Berry. She must have took out about 10 of them. I was like, that is an utter, utter ridiculous. I don't know how good he is. I was like, no, no, even I can't, I can't buy into that at all. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I mean, I did think Halle Berry. You know, she did look good on screen, as you said, you know, and the choreography looked great. I didn't really see the joins when it was her and when it was the stunt double. But, um, yeah, I must admit, you know, despite thinking at various points, you know, you're kind of like, oh, that's, you know, again, just a bit brutal. When it's happened for the sixth, the seventh time, you're like, all right, is this, is this it? There's got to be more to it than this, surely. Yeah, I agree. I mean, put it this way, Dave, totally different films, totally different context, story, everything. You know which film we're going to reference here, unfortunately, guys. Apologies, I am going to have to reference Endgame. But <laughs> I thought I'd... you were going to go on about Superman 2. <laughs> no, 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 no. You never think about that. No, no. Um, but, but I've seen that film twice, and I know the cinema run's coming to an end soon, and I am yearning to go back and watch that again because I really, really want to see it one last time in the cinema, because I think it's so good. Totally different films, different world, everything. I know that. I'm not using it as a reference to, to the plot or anything. But with this film, I come out of it thinking, this is like I've just watched some sort of chick flick rom-com or something. I'll never see this again. Unless I catch 10 minutes of it when it's on TV at some point. But I, I genuinely believe I would never watch this film ever again. And, and that, for me, is telling. I know we're not at the review stage of it, Dave, because we've we still got our free to go through, but it become a, such a grind when I was watching it. It really did. Yeah. And, I, and I'll be honest with you, Dave, if, you, if I had to choose, considering we've just done X-Men Dark Phoenix, I'd watch X-Men Dark Phoenix over this, if I'm being completely honest. Oof. That's a damning indictment, that is. I know. I know. It's bad, that. And it's, sorry. So, yeah, but, um, yeah. I think that's it puts a nice little full stop on that bit, Dave. So uh, we're going to Act 3. Yep. John heads back to the Continental and is almost taken down by Agent Zero, who it turns out is a bit of a John Wick fanboy after the pair were halted from fighting at the hotel. Winston convinces John to fight for him and die as someone who'd loved his wife. And after refusing to give up his status, the adjudicated deconsecrates the Continental and revokes its neutral status. John and the hotel concierge, Sharon, and a bunch of gun fodder make a stand and John manages to defeat Zero and both his students. The adjudicator negotiates with Winston and reconsecrates the Continental after Winston double-crosses John and shoots him off the hotel roof. John takes his battered body to the scarred Bowery King, and they agree to take on the high table themselves. So this this last bit is this working any better for you, Chris? No, I, I think. <laughs> and actually, Dave, I'll be honest with you, I've been absolutely hammered by my beautiful wife Samantha since we reviewed this because she 
was going mental on this third act. And she was so annoyed. She's like, I want to come on and review this with you. It's absolutely ridiculous. And, and let me say to everyone, I am not influenced by what my wife thinks of a film. These films that I love, she does, and vice versa, not at all. But And she didn't tell me opinion until we went outside. It's literally, I always say this, we, I sort of look at it and go, well... And then we go from, I like that. She loved Captain Marvel when I thought he was middle of the road, but I would like to watch it again. And also this, she hated this, Dave. I mean, she said well, exactly what you said. She said, there's been at least, I remember leaning in and whispering in my ear, and obviously I'm hoping for some like, you know, she loves me or anything. And she went, there's at least four times he could have been killed by somebody here and they've just let him go. You know, and then she said, and then she even said, and she doesn't analyze the films like we do. And she said, why are they standing off him? And why are these fight scenes? And then she went, and why? And I won't swear. She said, why the F is there all this glass going on and on? And he's getting kicked through the glass. What is the significance? I went, I don't know. I said, I don't know. I said, he, he must have got hit for about 20 pieces of glass. Again, it was like, you know, in the brainstorming stage, in that writer's room, they're going, oh, yeah, it'd be great if we kick John Wick through the glass. You know, that'll look awesome. And they all go, yeah, 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 yeah. And someone goes, you know, chomping down on their sandwich or something. Well, what about if we do it five times? It's brilliant. What's better than kicking him through glass once? Kicking him about five to ten times. The audience will love that. No. (laughs) It gets boring after the second or third one. But it just kept happening over and over again. It, It was just ridiculous. It was, and I've got to say, this is where, for me, I, it lost me, the film. The fight scene where, obviously, Agent Zero comes, he's a samurai master, he's got his two henchmen who must be about four foot eight in heels, and they decide, twin brothers, they're going to fight John Wick. John Wick looks ridiculously, he looks like he's about a foot and a half bigger than both of them. It's absolute nonsense. I'm not saying height means anything, it doesn't. You've done combat training i've done combats you know you actually competed as well dave i've done it as just from a training point of view high muscles means absolutely nothing there's plenty of people tougher than me out there plenty but this was just not and this is where the problem with the choreography of the fights because he kept doing that judo throw on these two guys and getting them on the floor and they were like trying to stab each other and then john wick gets a bit of a kick in at the start and the only thing i can think as a glass reference dave as a point of reference a very a very very thing you reach is a film that we both like and it's a bruce lee film he's enter the dragon the fight he has at the end with mr handman you know Mm -hmm. like the the guy with the claw is it felt like they were trying to nod towards that because there's a few times john wick went to get attack him and it was like a mirrored reflection on it or they were hiding behind this glass and stuff and that happened quite Uh, a lot yeah that's that's an interesting reach that i know exactly what you mean yeah 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 yeah, because there's a few bits in End of the Dragon, don't know, where Bruce Lee attacked a pane of glass. And I'm just wondering whether that was a slight nod. The only thing that I love about this film, and this goes back to The Matrix, is at this point when he's in the Continental, uh, Ian McShane's character, and funny enough, Ian McShane's been round where I live locally recently, Dave, because he's actually from Ermston. People have seen him this week in Sainsbury's. Because oh. uh, he's a big United fan as well. His dad, Harry McShane, was the... PA announcer at Old Trafford once he retired because he played for United City's dad, but uh, he actually was a PA announcer, uh, Irish guy. So anyway, he's been round there locally recently. His mum's still alive. I think she's about 90-odd. So I, someone said this week they saw him in Sainsbury's and I wish I'd asked him, you know, why did he shoot John? But it, anyway, he, um, he said, what can I get you? And he went, guns, lots of them. 
And then straight away, the Matrix fanboy in me was like, oh, yeah. callback, wasn't it? Yeah, I was like not nudging Sam going, it's the Matrix. And she's like, I don't like that either. I was like, oh, forget it. I'll just talk to myself. <laughs> <laughs> that bit was good. And and again, you know, is it just because you've got um, Lawrence Fishburne in there as well? You just can't help but have a bit of a Matrix uh, feel about the whole thing. And, and that bit I do enjoy. But it's, it's got to give me more than that, you know? Yeah, it has. It, it's very, it's a shame because the fight scenes, even when he fights Agent Zero, you know he's going to win. He gets a bit of a kick in. I mean, he's covered in blood, smashed. He's been slashed. He's been shot. He's had all sorts going in this film and he's still coming. But what I found totally jarring was obviously at the end, he, he, you know, Winston and that does make a deal with the adjudicator, but basically because they just take everyone out because they've got this super armor on. Obviously, Agent Zero's there, and the adjudicator brings her men in, but they've got double-plated armour on. The only way you can kill them is by shooting them in the neck because the bullets aren't working, are they? So we get this thing where he has to keep shooting them in the neck, but there's a little bit where I thought Winston had double-crossed him with one of the guns he'd had. I couldn't work out whether he'd given the wrong gun on purpose, and, and obviously Sharon had passed it to him and said, this is what you want, and he had real trouble with it. And, and it felt like they missed that bit out. I couldn't work out whether it was leading to the fact that Winston and Sharon had double-crossed John and given the wrong guns. You know what, you know what I mean? When he first right. on the attack, it, it was weird because he was having problems loading the gun, and I kept thinking, "All right, they've double-crossed him here. He's gonna. They think he's gonna get killed by these like sort of super soldiers." And it didn't mean anything. And I felt that was a bit of a weird, weird little segue at the fighting end. But what I found utter nonsense is he finally defeats Zero, and they're on the top of the building. And then Winston just turns around and shoots John. Now, John falls off. The Continental's not a small building. He must fall from about 20 floors down, hits every stairway going, every wall, ends up hitting a trash can, and it's the deck. And he's been shot. I think it's three times he gets shot, and he survives, Dave. And then we get to see Win. Um, I'm just going to call him Morpheus, the Bowery King. He's always been Morpheus. <laughs> Morpheus carrying him off in his trolley, and he just says to him, like, you know, are you are you peed off? And he goes, yeah, or something like that. And I'm like, I am, I am angry, or I am, I am annoyed, or something like that. And I was like, oh my god, what is this? <laughs> it was so cringeworthy. And like I can say I love Keanu Reeves, but it was to me, I, I was just absolutely, my, my hands were over my eyes at this point. I was like, oh no, it, I just felt it cheapened the whole film. The ending, to be honest. Well, I think, you know, there's been calls, haven't there, for Keanu Reeves to be the next Wolverine. And I think, yeah, he's possibly too old. But then Wolverine, you know, he is older than everyone else. But it's just because of his regeneration mutation that he, he sort of stays youngish. So, you know, possibly you could do that. But basically, he's Wolverine in this film. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you cut off your ring finger. How do you grab your gun? You know, I'm sure you could do it, but you'd need to practice it, wouldn't you? I was thinking that. I, I swear to you, the first thing I did when he chopped his finger off was think, well, how's he going to fire his gun? I know he's got over a finger. Exact, I swear to you, Dave, in the cinema, I'm trying to think of the logistics then. You start really looking into it, don't you? I was like, he's not going to be able to shoot anybody with that. I, genu I totally agree with what you just said. I, I genuinely felt the same. And again, I know I've mentioned it before, and it's harping on about it a bit, but... 
you know, the whole turnaround from this one conversation, John, wouldn't you like to be remembered as someone, you know, a great man, someone who's, who's loved his wife. Oh yeah. Okay. So you've just, you've just made that whole middle section redundant. What was that whole finding the elder thing about? If you're just going to turn on a dime and and do the opposite, it's just, it, it makes something that I felt at this point pointless even more pointless, you know? And so I, I agree though, that the, the one thing I'd say it is ridiculous. He falls off that hotel. He's dead. Doesn't matter. Even before yeah. all of his other injuries straight away though, I was thinking, well, he shot him to, to free him kind of thing. You know, he can't, Ian McShane, so, you know, he can't get out of his current predicament and they're going to kill John eventually. So, you know, let's pretend to kill John Wick um, so that gets gets him away and off the hook and it also gets me off the hook. Yeah. But the more I think about it, I'm like, well, again, that's, that is a stretch. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, unfortunately... Because of the way it ended, you never get that satisfying feeling. You know, if they'd have made that an end credit, I'd have maybe forgiven it a bit more. But all you've done is you've made this third movie, again, feel like it's just a little bit pointless because there was no satisfying end to it. And you're just teeing up the next movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Yeah, it felt a bit like The Matrix, Dave, the second one when they made them back-to-back, and it just led into the third one, didn't it? The, the end of, yeah. of like, The Matrix as such. It did feel like that. And I think, I mean, I've just watched the E3 game conference this week. I love it. It's on in LA. And they released, there's a game called Cyberpunk 2077 coming out. And I sit there, it's the Xbox show, Sunday night, uh, 9 till 11, as you know. I miss my Love Island day, sadly, but I did catch <laughs> it up. Um, and for Cyberpunk, it looks a fantastic game. Well, the next minute, they introduce a character in the game, and it's Keanu Reeves. He's full long hair, John Wicker, and he's talking there. He's got like a bit of a cybernetic arm, a bit like a T-Terminator arm. And then he comes on the stage and gives this, I mean, Dave, it was ridiculous speech. It was like he was trying to act, but he's going, yes, you're breathtaking. And everyone's like, yeah, Keanu Reeves saved the show. And it was absolutely cringeworthy. And everyone's going, it's just John Wick. What's going on here? Why is John Wick in this game? You know, and and it's weird for me. It'll always be Neo. But again, I just, I question myself. I've said to you before, Keanu Reeves, he's, he's very much an Arnie, where any more than two or three sentences and you lose him, his acting falls right off. He's got to use his body, really, to, to move the scene, I think, at times, if that makes sense. He, he, he just can't act to save his life when he's really got to do something. I just don't think... And maybe that's why there's so much action in this day. You're playing to your strengths, but I just felt he played to him too much, unfortunately. Yeah, I think he, well, look, he's got great bone structure. He looks great. He looks after himself. I, I like him in this John Wick character, but I think if they didn't overdo the fight scenes so much, and again, just, just take any one good idea and replicate it five or six times, just make an hour and a half movie. Yeah, and you can still do as much as I think you know a lot of the plot was just unnecessary and inconvenient and just a a way of getting us from one fight scene to the next 
you could have made a much shorter movie, but again, just uh, just the way that ended is just awful. You know, again, though, I like Keanu Reeves. I liked him in Point Break, Speed. Yeah. You know, when when he made that transition from being this silly kind of character from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, and then he kind of remade himself as that action hero, didn't he? Yeah. But you're right. I mean, that's not that's not due to delivering perfect dialogue, you know, and being a great actor. It's just it's kind of the way he looks and and keeping the dialogue to a minimum. But I don't. Keanu Reeves on in this movie, I think, does what Keanu Reeves does. I, and I think, I don't get why everyone's suddenly like, oh, having this big Keanu Reeves love fest. For me, it's, you know, I've, like I say, from those early movies when he made that transition, I, I've really respected him, liked him in this these kind of roles. And it's neither dipped off or, or risen up again. You know, he's just, he just carries on doing what he's doing. So I don't quite get why everyone went nuts about that whole cyberpunk. You know, it's it's basically a cameo, wasn't it? It just says likeness on the screen for about a second, right at the end of this really quite impressive uh, sequence that they had. Yeah. And I do think go back to just sort of briefly what you said before, I think it'd be a terrible Wolverine, but anyway, that's an argument for another day, Dave, but shall we go into our review scores? Yeah, let's go. Well, Dave, I think it was me last week first. Uh, I could be wrong, but I think it is. So uh, would you like to go first today, my friend? Yep, sure. I think I've deliberated about this quite a lot. I think, you know, I'm not going to score it down, which I'm tempted to do because my expectations were so high. So I'm really trying to take a big old step back and be objective and just give my thoughts on this on its own or at least you know only look not look any further than the first two movies that led up to this i absolutely think it was you know on par with the second movie but it is not a patch on that first movie where i think it's it's far-fetched but it's grounded in realism this just got more ridiculous for me so i couldn't work out is this trying to be, you know, more comic booky than comic book movies. You know, it definitely wasn't ground in reality. I think even for old movies like Arnie's Commando were probably less far-fetched than this one. I think there was some good fight scenes, but they seem to just they seem to suffer from trying to overplay, you know, one particular sequence, one particular move. And if it looked good once, well let's do it five or six times. I think Halle Berry was okay in it. I think the individual actors were okay. You know, what's his name? Jerome. Yeah, Robson Jerome, yeah. Jerome Flynn. Jerome Flynn, yeah. I think he was okay as well. Um, I don't think it needed him as an actor, but I guess if you're going to bring him back for a fourth movie, then okay, you know, maybe have an actor in there like that. But yeah, I, I guess... Overall, I was just ultimately underwhelmed by the whole thing. It felt like a computer game, that the plot was just an inconvenience. I don't think, I didn't see the character grow at all. I just saw him fall from one scene to the next. 
um, when you think he he might have made some kind of uh, life changing decision to go with the high table, he just does a one eighty on it and just invalidates everything that you saw in the movie before. Am I going to go and see the fourth movie? Well, based on this, probably not. You know, maybe if we review it for the podcast, I will. If it was on on a Sunday afternoon and I've got nothing else to do and it just comes on TV, actually, it's not going to come on in the afternoon, is it? But, you know, then I may watch it. But on the strength of this, then I'm definitely not. So I'm not going to send it to the Phantom Zone because I, I think, the fight choreography is is good enough, but I am going to send this to Hell's Kitchen just because you've got to give me a little bit more than that. And I saw nothing, you know, from watching that original and seeing this, you know, I don't know if it was the first movie to do this kind of gun foo, but it was the first one that I can remember and being really impressed by it. Um, you can't just gorge yourself on that and then keep churning out movies and expect me to like it. So, yeah, Hell's Kitchen from me. What about yourself, Chris? Yeah, again, a lot of what I'm going to say is probably going to mirror what you just said, Dave. I genuinely went into this with massive expectations. The reviews come out, I was like, oh, chomping at the bit. I rearranged a lot of things. I ended up going to see it midweek, which I'll go and watch something midweek on my Limitless Passport. Usually it'll usually be something that I don't have to think too much about, but I was that into the idea of this becoming a, like a return to the first one's form, I thought, right, we're on. And like I say, as we've reviewed this, I've been quite negative as I reviewed it, but I just didn't think there was any context. There was no idea what was going on. I can buy an action film if I'm invested in the characters, if, I, if I'm rooting for them. And I just wasn't rooting for John Wick in this film, unfortunately. I really, really wanted to have the Baba Yeager moment. I really, really wanted to have that redemption. I, I, I would have liked for him to have sort of hung up his, his gun as such and gone hiding in Casablanca for, say, a couple of years, and he, he ends up getting sort of pulled out of retirement. I know it's a format that's been done and done and done in these films over and over, you know, a retired ex-assassin or ex-army commando or whatever. But I like that format, that sort of redemption where they're having to sort of... He's having to go back because he doesn't want to. This just was just utter utter nonsense and like I say I'm such a fan of Keanu Reeves I just come out of it totally underwhelmed wondering what I'd done for two hours watching it so I've ummed and with it Dave when I come out of it I thought it was middle of the road but the more I thought about the film the more angry I've got because over the last few weeks <laughs> I know it sounds stupid but I genuinely have got angry because I just thought I just don't buy into the hype I don't believe in the story I probably will go and watch the fourth one, but I've got a very bad feeling I'm going to be watching it on my own because Sammy's not going to sit there and watch this with me. Uh, I will go and watch the fourth one, but I am with you, Dave. I just think it's just not good, and I genuinely don't understand how people have pitched it so high. The professional reviewers as well who make a living out of doing the reviews, I genuinely question them, and I'm questioning a lot of my friends have said what an amazing film it is. So, you can't like everything. You can't go along the lines with what other people think. You've got to make your own mind up. But I'm actually going to send it, Dave, to the Phantom Zone. It's not the worst thing I've ever seen. But again, it's just, I just didn't think it was any good, to be honest. You know, I've met, I'm sure I might have made this comparison, but I can't remember. We speak that often, whether it was on a podcast or it was just in one of our conversations. So I'll give it again. But 
you know oasis's second album what's the story yeah did not get a great critical reception but it was just received to be massively popular by the public and there was a lot of critics you know musical critics we're obviously stepping away from the tv and film stuff here but there were music critics who felt a bit embarrassed that you know they'd actually said this album's just not very good um whereas it turns out to be one <laughs> one of the best albums and and certainly most iconic albums of the decade and that shaped music certainly in the uk for the next 10 years so when their third album came out, all the critics were like, oh, this is brilliant. You know, and they wrote it up, you know, so before it hit the shelves, they're going on about how great it is and everything. And it gets out there and, th- and there are some cracking tunes on there. But overall, the album is just not very good. And so, it, again, they what you have is all this shuffling of critics across from one place to the other to try and make sure they're not made to look a bit stupid. Again, I can't help but feel that just because everyone's saying how great it is, you know, everyone's like, Oh yeah, 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 you're right. Yeah. You're right. It's great. Fight choreography is brilliant. You know, the action scenes, awesome. You know, I can't help but feel it's something like that. And I, I just, again, feel free to get in touch with the show. Let us know if we're completely wrong and actually for genuine reasons and without being influenced at all by critics or what your friends have said or what you've seen on social media, you genuinely love this movie for whatever reason. I can only think it would be the the action sequences. Um, Let us know why you disagree because I'm genuinely perplexed. I'm puzzled at why there is such a difference between how I view this movie and how it seems the majority of the world views this movie. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? It's weird. But again, that's what opinions are there for, aren't they, Dave? So it's a nice discussion to be had by somebody who likes the the, the subject matter, likes the film. So I'd be interested as well for someone to actually drop us a line on that, definitely. Um, Just just out of interest, so you said you'll see the fourth movie. I mean, is that just the completionist in you so you've sent it to the phantom zone but you know why would you go and see you know at the at the movies ignoring the fact you've got an unlimited pass it doesn't cost you anything imagine that it costs you something (laughs) what are your reasons for going and seeing the fourth one uh, it's not that you've just told you've just said ignore me past it's the only reason i go watch it all right so so if you're going to watch anything um uh, fair enough I won't, no, obviously I'm paying for it because I'm paying a monthly subscription of £18. But because it's limitless, I will go and watch that. If you said to me, I'm going to go and watch John Wick and I didn't have that pass, I'd be like, forget that. I'll try and find it from a official site somewhere online, Dave, uh, obviously. But I, I genuinely wouldn't go and pay for it. There's no way I'm paying £12 on that. Not a chance. So yeah. correct. there's no reason for me to do that, but just for simply the fact that it's a trip to the cinema. I will go and see it because you never know. I might like it. It might get reviewed badly and I might like it. You just don't know, do you? Yeah. I think I'd I'd see it for the completionist in me. But like I say, I wouldn't exchange hard-earned cash for it. Um, and I just I wouldn't go out of my way to watch it either. No. Um, and certainly, even if the reviews come out and be great, I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> Once bitten, twice shy. But... Um, yeah, you know, this something 
has just happened, Chris, that has never happened on the show before. What? You're you're on a hat trick. Well, no, you're not on a hat trick. You've got your hat trick. You've got your hat trick of Phantom Zones. So our last three reviews that we've done, you've sent them all to the Phantom Zone. <laughs> that is terrible. So Dread, X-Men Dark Phoenix, and now John Wick 3. They're all getting cozy there um, with General Zod. <laughs> I just throw Phantom Zones out. Don't but yeah, they're staying there, Dave. They're staying there, definitely. Well... Yeah, I mean, so next week we're probably going to do Men in Black International. And quite honestly, I think we might be on for another. <laughs> yeah, that looks absolutely <laughs> awful, Matt. It does look terrible. The trailers just do, do it no favours. But, yeah, I totally agree. Now, just before we go, guys, myself and Dave decided that we were going to do a Love Island podcast, which is based on a UK reality show. Dave is a non-believer. He's now slowly but surely turning himself around to actually quite enjoying the programme. If you want to listen to that podcast, it's the Love Island cast on all podcast hosting sites. Or if you want to contact us, it's at Love Island cast on Twitter or on email, theloveislandcast at gmail.com. And also, I've got another little side project of a sports podcast based on my love for my football team, Manchester United, and that is the United Sports Cast on all podcast hosting sites. And if you want to get in contact, get in contact with me on my personal Twitter account at ChrisPhelps78, and hopefully you'll enjoy it as I rant and rave about how poor my team are. Now, Dave, I may have set you up beautifully for this, but have you got anything to lead us out? Well, as Morpheus said at the end, are you ready to take on the high table? You know, and am I ready for John Wick 4? And opposite to what John Wick said, I've got to tell you, no. <laughs> Very good. Very good. I'm not service anymore, John, so I don't go around shooting people in the head. I'm not asking you to kill anyone. I just need you to get me to it. To whom? Your old boss. You want to kill Murata? I'm not going to kill him. I just need to talk. What could he possibly give to you? I made a deal when I agreed to run this hotel, and that deal said that I had to follow the rules of the table. If you're not going to kill him, he is going to kill you, and then probably me too for walking you up in there.